Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Bridging the Gap with Tariq El Amin. You can keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at BTG with T-I-E. That's BTG with T-I-E. And take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. We are wherever you get yours at. That same username, BTG with T-I-E. Uh, so let us know what you think. So subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, do not forget to share. Uh, today, folks, I am happy to start off, kick off this new year uh, with this new platform. Uh, many of you uh, were used to hearing me on Radio Islam, uh, and we thank you, first of all, first of all, for coming over and checking us out here. Uh, we want to continue having these conversations uh, with, you know, artists, entertainers, thought leaders, and so on and so on. And I'm happy to have joining me, Layla Abdullah Poulos. Uh, she is the founder of NBA Muslims, author of the Brothers-in-Law series, uh, literary critic. Uh, she does a whole bunch, but most importantly, she keeps it real and she brings it every time. So I'm happy to start off this new endeavor and this new year with her. Assalamu alaikum. So uh, we missed, we had a pretty much an almost unbroken string. We going back to February of 2018, uh, where we yeah. were touching base at least once a month, at least yeah. once a month, right? I think a few times we got together more than that. Uh, yeah. But we missed, <laughs> December was just so crazy, right? A lot of changes going on. So we got a lot to catch up on, a whole lot yeah, to catch Yeah, December up on. was a trip. December was definitely... A lot of stuff happening, uh, and we just didn't get it together. We got to not do that, though. <laughs> right, right. We st we're starting a new streak now. So it's 2020. Um, I think we're past the point where people are still wishing you a happy new year. It's only been eight days, so happy new year. Okay, well, happy new year. <laughs> still, I think you can say happy new year until you stop putting last year's date on your stuff. So, you know, it's like that time okay. period where you put last year's date yeah, yeah. <laughs> on your stuff. So when, <laughs> once you stop doing that, then don't say Happy New Year anymore. Okay, happy so we're good then because I I was filling out a form earlier and I mistakenly, I put down January 8th, uh, I, you know, 2019. Okay. So, well, yeah, we're still good. Stop doing that. Yeah, we're still good. So, um, speaking of a new year, right, I think this is a kind of a, a great time. Of course, everybody has their resolutions. Um, yeah, well, and that's good. Resolution. That's good. Right. My personally, my resolutions, they are moment to moment. I mean, not that they change moment to moment, but you know, if I make a decision and I just move on it, that's it. You know, I, I don't have to wait for the turn of a, a calendar. Right. But yeah, the new year is, uh, it is a time where folks will take stock of, uh, of where they are in, in life and just their attitudes and stuff like that. So it's, kind of a way where we get to examine those old things, old thinking that may not necessarily uh, facilitate our growth, you know, that are yeah. kind of holding us back. So yeah. with, with that thought, right. To kind of not to just jump into the new, but let's look at some of the old things, some of the old thinking that might, um, that might be kind of maybe holding us back. Right. So, okay. With that, we segue, I think that was a good segue, but we'll segue into um, something that was, it was in the news during December, 
right? We didn't get a chance to to talk about this this uh, thing with Ti, right? Oh yeah, and, Ti. And the reason that this is important, right? Because this this particular um, uh, story really represents an old manner of thinking where women, um, you know, it, they are looked at as possessions, right? The, and and that is that is as old as society, you know, in any form where regulating women's behavior, bodies, speech, involvement in the public space um, has been an issue. So I remember it's you actually, reached out. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. It's actually a matter of controlling it. And it's so funny because one of the things that it has uh, demonstrated is that this whole idea that uh, non-Muslim women uh, American women, women in the West are completely liberated and do not, are not subject to what is known as the masculine economy. So this whole idea that men are, that women's bodies are under the purview mm -hmm. and for the use of men. Okay, that are basically commodities. And there are a lot of different examples to kind of show that, yeah, that that's still happening here, just like it's happening anywhere. So uh, with TI in particular, which is an example of a father who, this is what he said. Okay, I listened to the, the uh, podcast. Okay, mm -hmm. and it was rather, it's not only disturbing, it was absolutely disgusting. And so he brings his daughter after her birthday, day after her birthday, whatever, to the gynecologist, okay, and they have a virginity test, mm -hmm. okay. So the gynecologist is basically looking for a hymen, which is not even an accurate assessment right. of whether yeah, that's or not been someone debunked. sexually active. Yeah. Oh, it's been debunked for, Long for time. the longest time. Mm -hmm. But it's the whole idea of here is a woman in my family, okay? So her body, her sexual life is automatically under my purview. Now it's one thing when you are a parent of a minor, mm -hmm. okay? And you know, doctors will examine minors to see whether they're actually looking for trauma, right? okay? When they examine uh, uh, particularly uh, female minors. So. Uh, girls, young girls, yeah. they will examine, they will tell the girl, you know, the, uh, you know, no one has a right to touch you here, you know, so that she maintains her autonomy. I'm just looking at it to make sure that everything is okay. And they give a quick peek and that's it. So once this young woman turned a certain age, okay. And he alluded to the fact that he was still doing this and the, the, the young woman's 18 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a matter of now, it's not a matter of checking to see if, you know, as a as a minor that she have may, may have been exposed to something that she should not have been exposed to. It's checking to see whether or not this young woman who has complete autonomy and control over her sexual life and herself as a sexual being, whether or not she's doing what I don't want her to do. Right. Right. Okay. And that's a very old way of thinking. Not only is this whole idea that if she has a hymen that somehow she's not sexually active. Okay. Or if she doesn't have a hymen that somehow she is, that she's automatically sexually active, but that I have, that's what I, as a man, as, as a male in her family 
have control over. Right. And it can lead to all kinds of dysfunctions. That's the thing. And ironically enough, New York State, the uh, legislators, the state legislators mm-hmm. put in a bill to ban hymen tests. Yes, yes, in I saw New York that. State. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a matter of, listen, the culture has to catch up because this stuff still exists. You can think that, you know, women have total agency and autonomy over their culture because they're here as opposed to somewhere else, but that's simply not the case. We still have to consistently struggle and fight for that agency and that autonomy. You know, you know, you know what I find interesting in this, uh, and it brings up the difficulty we have in separating art from life or, inter- or mm-hmm. entertainment from life, uh, and that is the fact T.I. is a, not just a, a rapper, right? Because rapper don't, doesn't mean just off the cuff that uh, you somehow embrace um, any particular behavior, positive or negative. But his body of work is one where uh, it definitely portrays women more often than not as as objects. You know, it objectifies women. And of course, he's not the only rapper by any means, right? I mean, that's part of, unfortunately, it's become a part of the culture of uh of so many different forms among of, female of rappers too oh among yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely right but when i say so, that separation between art and life right the distinction between the two that mm-hmm. he is in this in this uh circumstance he is asserting himself as a concerned father misguided um as the the practice may be right but that's how he's projecting himself as you know i i'm i'm worried about my daughter, um, and I'm, you know, so this is what I do on a daily basis. And I'm going to tell you, first, just fight off, I, I absolutely uh, disagree with it. Right? Better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely disagree with it. Um, well, he's but not there's a, a contradiction. Father. He's not a concerned father. He's a controlling father. Because if he was a concerned father, uh-huh. okay, first of all, when he found out his minor son was right. sexually active, Totally different response, according to him, okay? Mm. If he was a concerned father, then he would think along the lines that I, my daughter, whom I love, is now 18 years old, mm. so she can be sexually active if she wants to be. Mm-hmm. So my concern would be, you know, can I have a talk with her? To talk about the decisions that she may want to make, how can, um, uh, what kind of advice can I give to her, and how can I facilitate it so that she, if she decides to become a sexually active uh, human being, which is none of my business as her father at this point, I have to step back on that. Is she, is she doing what she needs to do to be emotionally mm-hmm. and physically healthy about engaging in sexual activity? Right. Because that becomes your concern now as a parent. Right. Okay. Because sex has consequences. Mm-hmm. Sex has emotional consequences and sex has physical consequences. So am I having those discussions with her? Am I allowing her to open up to me so that we can have those conversations? Is her mother having those conversations with her? So that as she goes out there, and she, whatever decision she is that she makes, she's equipped mm-hmm. to understand how she can safeguard herself emotionally and physically he didn't do that he just wanted to make sure she was a, a quote-unquote virgin 
Mm. Okay. Yeah. Which is sick in and of itself because, you know, vaginal sex is not the only way of engaging in sexual intercourse. Right. So it's just like th this old way of thinking, like you said, it's like this old way of thinking. So in this new year, even though we know that this old way of thinking exists, we need to promote a new, the newer way of thinking. And that is that women are their own sexual beings mm -hmm. and we need to support the women in our lives so that they can make the, the best choices for themselves. Right. Okay. Right. And as Muslims, we can support the women in our lives because, because a young woman is Muslim. Mm -hmm. Okay. Doesn't mean she's not a sexual human being anymore. Oh, absolutely so now not. how, how right. can we support and encourage them to uh, engage in sexual activity if they want to, in a way that's pleasing to Allah. And if there's something else that's going on, okay. How can we be a support system? so that they can go through whatever it is that they have to go through emotionally and then come out on the right end. So, but that's not, that was not a concern. He was not a concern father. He was a controlling father. Well, see, and this is men, the thing. And men in general need to stop this, that. This is the thing. <laughs> and I have to, I have to speak up for all dysfunctional um, parents, not just, just, not just fathers, right? Because what we turn a blind eye to in our sons and become hyper conscious of in our daughters. Uh, these, you know, th those are moments where we really need to examine what we are responding to and why are we, yeah. why are we responding in the ways uh, in which that we're doing so. Uh, but so when I think about people like T.I., because, you know, the only reason that we're talking about him is because he has a platform, right? Um, but he is just represent uh, a representation of you know of, of millions of others uh potentially who have the same types of attitudes right so when it comes to being concerned um it's going to take on different uh, it's going to manifest itself in different ways mm -hmm. um and it may be constructive and it and it may not be you know it may be dysfunctional may may be destructive uh but in their mind and in, in his mind in particular since we're talking about him he may have looked at himself as i am actually looking out for the best interest of my daughter because of what i have seen because of the the the, the women that i speak about whether it's fiction i'm a dog or not exactly I dog women exactly and i don't want my daughter to get dogged by somebody exactly but and you know what okay. and it's not just a matter of the physical consequences or ramifications or even the emotional there's also a social cost right these these yeah, that's things a whole other old way of thinking well you're right because within it it comes uh, within it that there, there comes um expected norms and um you know we judge based upon a particular you know paradigm uh sure right but does that necessarily mean that just because the the norm is not enforced across the board, that there's actually something wrong with having a norm, right? In terms of, um, I don't know, just just the way we just the way we treat this vessel that we've been given, you know, who yeah. we who we give it to, how we how we engage it, um, having a norm is that necessarily? And if, if for Muslims, our norm is, you know, we have a we we have a a prescribed code of of conduct and the way we're supposed to engage uh sexual relations but that's not the norm well, well the islamic, it's not the norm for the everyone islamic, 
as long as teaching about yeah. sex, yeah. okay, and intimacy is not the norm in Muslim culture. The Muslim culture on so many levels is so ripe with dysfunction. Yeah. When it comes to uh, intercourse and intimacy, that it's ridiculous. A lot of times it actually caters to the dominant male paradigm of sexual gratification as a very androcentric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, depending on a so social uh, intersections like race, mm -hmm. it's very, very, you know, uh, fluid when it comes to that. So, you know, uh, yeah, you can't touch this Arab woman. You have to marry her. Go have sex with black women because mm. they're not, they're marrying kind anyway. There's so mm. much dysfunction, levels of dysfunction. And, 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 and I'm coming from just coming from the cisgender heterosexual perspective. Yeah. There's so many dysfunctions that are anti-ethical to Islamic teachings that there needs to be a lot of new thinking. I mean, we do have great people that are doing that. So we have like the village auntie, which you definitely got to have her on. She's amazing. And she has a new book. So we got to do her book. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, she All does. Right. And uh, Habiba Kande. So, you know, with his books and everything like that. So it's happening. But, you know, Muslim society is not immune from the, these dysfunctions or even these these ideas of male ownership of female bodies, even though Allah subhanahu wa ta says that every soul is accountable for what it does. Absolutely. You know? Right. And I think it, it can be a little bit of, it's hard when you're a parent mm -hmm. and, you know, this person that you, whose life you monitored and watched and kept safe for all these years, now all of a sudden they've shifted, you know? So, and they're like... So the, the, the preference for uh not the preference uh i should say more uh directly that sexual relations are to be are to occur within the parameters of marriage right yes. that's very, very clearly understood so to kind of move along with what, what you're saying here when it comes to you having you know when you have children you know as, as we both do um and we know they're at that point where that is a that is an awareness right mm -hmm. and they 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 look they want intimacy they want mm -hmm. the relationship and we want them to have it in a halal um environment right yes. so how do we facilitate that because i've seen i've seen um some circumstances where um where young folks get married and they you know and and then they stay with one of the parents yeah. Right. Um, yeah. As they, you know, work, as they continue with, with school or whatever. Right. Yeah. What, what, what are your thoughts? How do you see that? Well, I think that one of the things that Muslims need to really kind of take responsible for in, in this society, uh, and let me hone it down a little bit more like it's like American Muslim society. Sure. And let me hone it down a little bit more <laughs> American Muslim society. Well, one of the things that we lose sight of is this, is like you said, you know, we, if we and our and our children, if they want to respect the parameters mm -hmm. that Allah has set up, okay, that if you're going to engage in intimacy, sexual activity, you have to do it in by commit first and foremost by committing to a contractual relationship. You're going; it's the relationship comes first, okay. 
before the intimacy. Right, comes, okay? right. Which is totally in a lot of uh, subcultures here in American society is the exact opposite. Yep. You know, and so, but they want to respect those parameters. Sometimes they want to do it at a very early age. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then other things come into play. You know, how young are they when they want to do this? Uh, how ready are they? Okay. Right. And sometimes they need us to still, as parents, help them out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because the society is not conducive to marrying early. Okay? No. It just simply is not. There's things that you need to do and that you need to have its place. And th- that's not, those th- that doesn't necessarily jive with you meeting someone and f- forming connection with them and wanting that to bring that connection to another level. Mm-hmm. So as parents, you may end up with a 18, 19, 20 year old saying, listen, you know, I know I'm in college and everything like that. Uh, but I met this person and I'm ready to engage in a committed relationship with this person. I want to get married. I want to obey a law and we want to get married. Yeah. Okay. 18, 19 years old. It's very hard to establish yourself mm-hmm. at that stage in age. You can, you'll be impoverished, sure. but you can a lot of times. Sure. So you need your parents there to help out. So like you said, you'll probably, they'll probably end up living in one of the par- one of the sets of parents' homes. Mm-hmm. And hopefully at that time, you know, there are honest conversations and there is advice and support that they abide by so that they, they can then establish themselves and lift themselves up and go off. I mean, my husband and I, I was 20 mm-hmm. and he was 23. Okay. Mm. And we lived, my mother-in-law has an apartment above her house. Yeah. And so it's a little, what little tiny one bedroom apartment and everything like that. But that's what my husband moved his wife into yeah. because he was going to get a rent that was a lot more affordable than rent somewhere else in on Long Island, New York, which is Come mega on now. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how she helped us out, you know, until we were eventually able to then move into our own home. And so we have to have this new way of thinking that, you know, honestly, we want our children to obey a law when it comes to this, mm-hmm. as in all things. So like with everything else, how do we facilitate that? Right. How do we facilitate a way that our children can stay within the parameters and uh, obey a law? Now that could be the housing, it could be, listen, let, let's, let us help you out financially. It could be, you know, we're hitting hard times right now. Can you help us out? Okay. You know, which is going to happen automatically. Even if they weren't married, that's going to happen anyway. <laughs> so they always got their hands out. <laughs> it's just that the society is not conducive to people marrying young. And so we know that that's going to be reality for our children. Mm-hmm. So we have to keep that in our mindset and be un- unapologetic about it because, you know, uh, people will kind of look cross-eyed, you know, at this 20-year-old. You're only, well, you're only 20, okay? That's mm-hmm. the cultural mindset a lot of times right now. But see, and, and there's a bit of, I, I can't call it hypocrisy. I, I would almost have to say it's just blindness, right? Because we've become accustomed to turning a blind eye or really just not even seeing um, single parents, right? Single mothers mm-hmm. at 16, 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the father may or may not be 
in the, you know, they may not be in a relationship. Um, and oftentimes with no plans, marriage is not even a consideration. It's not even a, a word that's ever even brought up. But you would look at, a, uh, you know, at, at a teen, at an 18 or 19 year old who's married and say, what are you doing? Right. You take issue with that. So when I see yeah. this, this is really about preserving uh, the family and a people, a society that does not have solid uh, a family foundation, solid, solid family units. It's a weak society. Right. So this is something that's this is a conversation that needs to be had beyond the Muslim community. This is something yeah. that I feel like uh, in particular African-Americans um, need to be talking about, need to revisit, because it was not it was not such a foreign thing uh, at one point for us, um, especially, yeah. you know, in the South. Folks got married, you know, young all the time then. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, is that marriage is, as a social entity. Yeah. There. First of all, it's very, very different across subcultures. Yeah. And the thought of what it entails is very different across subcultures. And how it has evolved here in this society is very different across subcultures. So, you know, I mean, it's been kind of like disjointed Mm -hmm. from the whole idea of intimacy. Those are two different things. Yeah. Marriage and intimacy are two different things. They're very, very separate in the society. The realities are very, because the realities oftentimes are very, very separate in this society. You may be ready for sex. Right. Okay. That doesn't mean you're ready for intimacy. It just means that your body's ready to Right. Sex. It's just a physical transaction. You may be ready for sex. Right. But you may not be ready for intimacy and you definitely may not be ready for something as heavy as marriage. Right. So ideally in an Islamic perspective, those three things come together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And oftentimes Muslims miss the mark. So we think of just the marriage, just the contractual obligation. And we kind of leave off sex and intimacy. And that's where a lot of dysfunction stems from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're married. You did that part. You did the nikah. You did the khitbah. You signed the contract and everything like that. But are you a, are you a, a, a good sexual partner? Mm-hmm. Are you good? At, are you are you a good intimate partner? Because is there any peace things. and tranquility between? Is there any you? peace and tranquility? Right. And if there's no good sex and no good intimacy, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like we have yeah. to think about. We have to. We have to definitely embrace a new way of thinking mm-hmm. as Muslims to embrace our Islamic teaching and appreciate the realities of of our culture. Right. in this society and what it is that we go through and what it is that our young people are going through. Yeah. See, we I wouldn't, have- I wouldn't put my, my daughters out there. Um, but I would say this much because T.I. definitely got in trouble for that. Oh, that was horrible. Right. He got that in was trouble. Horrible. That. that poor, that, that yeah. I'm not going to say that poor girl. She should be enraged. Yeah. She was mortified. <laughs> like it, it's, 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 a, it's a horrible thing to even just say, this is what I do to even discuss. Your, your 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 daughter's sex life, your yeah. young uh, daughter's sex life. She's a young woman here. Mm-hmm. Period. Just anybody. You shouldn't be discussing any of your yeah, children's sex life. Where's her privacy? 
where's her yeah. privacy yeah. And, and everything like that like you need to you need to value her as a human being mm-hmm. in that way so it's just like oh my god you know my there's certain things about my kids because i have young adults too yeah never share that with people Mm-mm. It's no. like, no, absolutely not. So this is like, just even like that thought that yeah, you can kind of do that and, and, and build up your bravado mm-hmm. <laughs> type of thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's like, it's, it's terrible. So it's just like, no, because we have to really understand that, you know, these, you have to embrace this whole idea that now this is a, a young adult, mm-hmm. this is an autonomous human being. And now I have to make shifts as a parent. When you get married, you know, you're joining lives together right. and you're sharing your lives. And so now I have this other human being whose sexual gratification, emotional gratification, I'm responsible for. Yeah. Both sides. Mm-hmm. Both sides have to think that way. We have to get, we have to shut off this whole idea that's just about the man. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and which in turn cause a lot of Muslim women to really center themselves because you don't have a choice. He's not doing it. So you don't have a choice outside of Muslim culture. You know, you have a lot of single black women by choice because black men are raggedy. Men are raggedy. Oh, 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 perspective. This is what they're thinking. Cut I'm it out. Serious. <laughs> this is what they're thinking. Yeah, this is what they're thinking. I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm doing it on my own. Yeah. Okay. And here's this man going to come in and he's going to break my autonomy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not only is it going to bring a whole bunch of mess and nonsense, I can do bad by my myself. It's that whole idea. And a lot of Muslim women are feeling that way too. I'm not going to. Muslim women I, are like, listen. I won't take away the, I, I, I won't say that that's not valid at all. I won't say that. But I will say that I think it's a lot easier to just say it's because the guy is doing right. We're not talking about society, right? We're talking about, uh, we have a society where you really, you have some say so in the, the dynamics of your individual relationships. Yes. Right. So, so based on that, how you engage, um, the other person on the other side, what, what are the, um, the standards, the expectations that you have, and also, of course, yeah. what you bring to it. You, you, you're an active participant in that relationship, and I feel quite often, yes. a lot of times, that women, uh, and I think this is for men too, but I'm speaking about women, uh, particularly African American women. You, you, you accept, you get what you accept. You but get. When, but when they don't, what happens? They end up by themselves. Yeah. I think there's a lot of social messaging out yeah. there. Okay. And, you know, uh, social media is a great thing and it could be a bane to someone's existence. Yeah. Okay. So if me as an African American woman, now I've been in a committed relationship for over 20 years. Right. That still doesn't mean that when I'm scrolling Twitter, I'm scrolling Facebook or whatever, that when I see posts by specific mm-hmm. men. Yeah. Okay. By specific men that that does not feed into my 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 conclusion when it comes to men in general yeah okay mm-hmm. it gets very very hard not to do that you have to consistently resist that so when you see time and again okay the derision of black women 
in particular. So let's think about in long terms of black women. Yeah. The derision of black women by black men. That's now, a reality. Oftentimes, that is a reality. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. oftentimes, it's black men who have internalized their own racism. Sure. Have decided to engage in relationships outside their race. And in order to justify that for themselves, instead of just saying, you know what, I've internalized my racism, I'm color struck. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that I, yes, I don't want, I don't want someone that looks like me. Okay. Right. Instead of doing that, they turn it and they, they blame black women for it. I just saw one, one bit of nonsense was like, oh, black women are in struggle, struggling with black men for masculinity. So basically we want to be men. Mm. This, this is a general thing. And you'll see it post after post after post after post. If there's not a derision of uh, the black women's body, their hair, then it's the, their, their demeanor and their attitude. Mm-hmm. Okay. Knowing very well that white women, Asian women, Latina women can be just as feisty, aggressive, resolved, okay, and expressing themselves. But when it comes to the black body, it turns into something else. I, okay? I cannot, I can't refute any of that. I cannot. So it gets very hard. So that's yeah. what I meant when it's like black men are raggedy. This is what ends up happening. This is the message. This is what you end up internalizing and getting. And it becomes very, very hard to push back against that because you constantly see this everywhere. And if you're a relation, and then the whole other thing of, you know, on the opposite end, where Mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, you're supposed, this is supposed to be a compliment to black women. Okay. But it's really using black women. Okay. What's supposed to be a compliment? The compliment being that she holds me down. She stayed with me when I was cheating on her. She put up with all kinds of nonsense. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. And everything like that. And a black, you know, if a, a black women need to help black men, we need to, uh, you, they need to help him fill out his job application. And <laughs> <laughs> this is what you see over and over these, like these demands. Okay. And so it's just like, wait a no, hold up. I filled out my own job application. I filled out my but, own school application. Why am I doing it? I'm not your mom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's like two sides to that. That kind of that yeah. kind of do it. So it's like that it's very hard to have a new way of thinking. Yeah. Okay, when it comes to this. And I think that we need to kind of like push back against all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Muslim in Muslim society as well. Because there's definitely messaging out there that you know muslim women aren't as valued their worship is not as valued okay and it draws it, you can definitely draw the conclusion as a muslim woman that if i hook myself up with this fool yeah right here mm-hmm. i'm going to end up messing myself up he's going to try to control me oh you can't you can't be out after maghrib you can't ask me to go you can't go to the store without my permission right um yeah who who uh, would sign up for stuff. that who, who would sign up for no, it in their right mind? For, now it was in their right yeah. mind would sign up for So that's the thing. It's like, they, they're they saying no to all of that. They're saying no to all of that. So it becomes But very, they very didn't hard. come to this point, or mm-hmm. I should say we didn't come to this point overnight, right? There's a whole no. lot of social programming, uh, yes. centuries of it, that went into yes. it to pit us against one another. Okay, but who creates that program? In Muslim culture, 
who creates that program? Well, Muslim culture is a reflection, or I would I would even say an extension of the the okay. same programming we see um, yeah, at play, yeah. yeah, in the African American community. Yeah, um, definitely. So if you're talking about African American Muslim culture, yeah, yeah, definitely. They're they're one and the same. So whether you're yeah. a Muslim or just African American, you yeah. are, you know, you're kind of being affected by the same uh, messages, by the same culture. Yeah. So that's definitely true. In order to push back against that, there has to be there has to be moments of, of clarity to, to, to see the dysfunction that we look at as normal. Like you're talking about, you know, uh, she hold me down. Right. Um, and it's like, hold on a minute. And it's, All it's of okay the... to hold your man down, though. That's fine. You can hold your yeah, man down. Yeah, you, you I can do, do that. I do taxes every single year. My husband would be lost. <laughs> <laughs> but see, but when hold, but holding... You know, well, when holding me down means that you me are <laughs> accepting, you are accepting emotional abuse, yeah. physical abuse, uh, emotional neglect. You are accepting. Yeah. There's no um, reciprocation. There's no reciprocity. Yeah, that's dysfunctional. There's no reciprocity. Right. So, so what I'm saying is, until we can see that the old way of thinking, yeah. um, it's produce it's produced dysfunction. Yeah. And that's not healthy. We we don't really change. And it's it's much easier, I think, for women uh, to say, I'm not messing around with this fool. But see, here's the thing. The fools are everywhere. The fools are everywhere. Right? You, you think you could run from the dysfunction uh, within African-American community or within African-American Muslim, the dysfunction there. And, of course, we're mm-hmm. not speaking to say that the whole kid and caboodle is dysfunctional yeah. but you know yeah. you have elements no, it's not. right but you're going to find that same uh that same thinking present when you move over into another community another group of people it's going to be yeah. something else that's going to minimize you so all of that to say women have to take a uh have to must take a, a stand in being change agents have to you have can't. to use the power. You can't. You can't. You, you say can't. they can't. They can't. Why not? Can't. Why not? You want to know why they can't? Because they leave themselves vulnerable to male aggression. It's a very dangerous thing. All right. So, okay. So you mentioned male aggression. That's when it becomes essential for for men, right? To you know, to kind of link arms because this is not a this is not a, a women's fight. This is a fight for um, really for the health of our community, for the health of, of humanity, because this same type of environment, um, it, it plays itself out in many different cultures where there's just this backward idea that in order for us to uh, if we are communicating, if we're in a, a relationship, we're married, that I'm supposed to control you. Right. Yeah. So so oh, men, yes. men got to stand up, not just men, I yeah. mean, not just Muslim culture. It's definitely a cross culture. But I'm talking about overall. Yeah, it is. It, it is. It is unfair. OK, for lack of a better term, I'm not saying you being unfair, just this whole idea mm-hmm. that Muslim women must imperil themselves because mm-hmm. they definitely do. I mean, when I look at these fabulous Muslim women out here doing this great work, um, uh, Nadia Muhajir, you know, like Heart Women and Girls, yeah, and everything like that. You know, they face a lot of aggression because of it. 
So, you know, it is unfair to think that we have to change men and their mindsets because that's just going to pile on more aggression. There needs to be a shift in the way that men interact with each other and the messaging that men share, mm-hmm. that men share. Okay. And uh, so that there's that, that's the way that that change is going to take place. And then, then at the same time, there needs to be a change in messaging among women. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that change in message is not going to happen until the other messaging is changed. Because as long as you're getting bombarded with these demands on you based on your gender, mm-hmm. okay, and these assumptions and uh, also the impressing of stereotypes on you based on your gender, based on your race, mm-hmm. based on your faith background, right? then you're, you're really not going to change that mindset because you said... You know, you're going to face that stuff in other social intersections. Yeah. So if you're a black woman, you're going to face that with non-black men. Mm-hmm. If you're a Muslim woman, you're going to face that with non-Muslim women. Okay. Guess what? A lot of times, some Muslim women, some Muslim women, some black women, like, listen, okay, I'll take the chance with that because I know I'm getting over here. This is all. This 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 is the consistent messaging and behavior and interactions that I've gotten so far over here. But what about if I go over there? Okay. Right. Now, the one thing, okay, I can't say about Muslim women. Okay. I still have to do a lot more research when it comes to that and a lot more interaction when it comes to that. Yeah. So, one of the things that black women don't do, that not at the same level as black men who date outside their race and engage in committed relationships outside their race, is that they don't turn around and say, you can't mess with black men. You need to get yourself a white guy or you need to get yourself a Latino because. Black men are this, 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 that, that, that. It's 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 ironic that you know the same rate the people that have this at this this intersection of race and gender, meaning black men, yeah, who have so many stereotypes impressed upon them. Okay, that they constantly have to combat over and over and over again. You cannot cry about the 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 stereotype of the criminalization of black men or the absentee black father with in one breath. Yeah. And then talk about the hypermasculinity of black women and uh, about the the uh, black women's hair, the derision of black women's hair or black women's feature. I mean, just I agree. recently, I agree. just recently, okay, mm-hmm. Beyonce's daughter, Blue Ivy. Yeah. Beautiful little girl. Mm-hmm. Beautiful little girl. Two people, two grown people, a black man and a white woman went in on her on social media. They saw a picture of her and they're like, oh, she's got her father's features, meaning a wide nose in, in, in large lips. Okay. She looks a lot more like her mother. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. But she has the wide nose. She has the father's wide nose and, 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 the, and the broader lips. And she has dark skin. Is, is that where the comment ended? They said, oh, she has Jay-Z's look. She has her father's look so sad for her. I feel so bad for her. Oh, Okay. And the white woman chimed in, or oh, she could get plastic surgery like Kyle Jenner, and we could act like she always looked that way. I don't have any sympathy for the super rich. This is a seven-year-old girl. And the same week, two entertainers, mm-hmm. I can't remember their names, two black women entertainers were called, what was it, Rottweilers? Wow. Okay? Because she has a very broad nose. Beautiful woman. Yeah. Beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Very broad nose. Lizzo, okay, who's 
who has not only I like dare to be black but also plus size. Yeah. And not uh, and not not ashamed of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's taking a break from social media. Why? People are going after her. Oh, they always going after her all the time. Okay. Uh, uh, what is that? Azalea Banks, but she's always going after everybody. So it's <laughs> she's still around. She, yeah, she's still around. She called after uh, Lizzo performed at um, was it the American Music Awards or the Grammys? I can't remember. She called her Mammy. Mammy. <laughs> Called her Mammy. Mammy. So oh, Mammy. Ma yeah. Oh, wow. Mammy. Wow. She called her Mammy for white women. Okay, that's her music because she's being a Mammy for white women. Terrible. It's terrible. You can't talk about these things and then go in and dive in on black women because they're black women. First off, I got. They're I have to say women. this. Right. We we know that social media it allows people uh, to have short memories uh, and to speak without the fear generally of being punched in the mouth. Um, there are things that you would never say to a person in public, right? Because you know, you know, or, or in private, I should say, there are things that you would never say to somebody looking them eye to eye because you know that, you know, it may, it may take a detour on you, right? But, say it to black women. but yeah, but I got to say that I have to say that, um, one of the, when I, I agree with the statement you made about how the, the, the appearance of, of black women, how there's so much derision, um, there's so much criticism that is leveled against black women. And the, the fact that it comes quite often or way too often from black men, that is, that's extremely problematic. Um, yeah. and when I'm thinking about, there was a brother, uh, not uh, only does it come from black men, mm -hmm. black men encourage it among non-black women. I would black say I, you can't mess black women. You can't mess with a, you can't mess with her because or you can't mess with yeah, them. I'm because not messing, this and that. I don't mess with black women because they're this and this, which entail in, in turns validates non-black women to say whatever they want about black women. But see, this okay. is this is exactly what I was talking about. The dysfunction, right? The The social programming that has been going on for centuries, the way that this wedge that has been put between us. Yeah. Um, and we have not really fully come to grips, um, you know, with this impact. And you know, and we can't we can't do anything new until we take care of of all these 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 old negative yeah. and poisonous habits that have uh, that have you know been infecting our our thinking. It's a sad commentary that in 2020, okay, yeah, uh, you know how you see all of those things. This is what I'm, this is, this is me in 2020. This is what I'm going to do in 2020. I even did what I was like, my new word in 2020 is no. No. Okay. I'm going to say no more. Yeah. There you go. My new word in 2020 is no. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> so it, it would be nice if we saw those same memes, like in 2020, we won't be dragging black women for their black. Let's make that happen. <laughs> Seriously. Let's make that happen. In 2020, we won't be asking Muslim women to perform for us yeah. and act like, uh, like, uh, like they're fragile violets. Right. Okay. We'll respect them for doing amazing things just because they're amazing women. You know, we won't, you we won't politicize their covering for, for, for many of whom is an act of worship. We're going to respect that. We're going to respect them more than that. Mm -hmm. You know. In 2020. Nice in 2020, we're going to stop asking. Uh, black folk, what's wrong? And twice, I can stop asking black folk what's wrong. 
Okay. You already know. It's what. <laughs> it's all wrong. <laughs> you know, it's all wrong. Exactly. So it's just like it would be nice to see those types of memes. Yeah. Because a lot of the negativities and everything that people experience is because of all of this stuff and all the social messaging that we receive. Yeah. So it would be great in 2020. We're, in 2020, we're going to realize mm-hmm. that young women and men, mm-hmm. okay, are taking their sexual autonomy and embracing it, and we need to respect it and think of new ways as parents and caregivers yeah. to help them through that. How do we as support them? To trying to control it. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be a great thing to say. Well, okay. I have been to more than, I feel like more than my fair share of genazis, funerals, yeah. um, home goings and such, whatever you want to call them. We pass. Yeah. The whole, the whole, the whole thing uh, over the past month. Uh, as a matter of fact, family just had a, a, another loss uh, oh, Monday. Losses. Thank you. Um, all that to say that the time for, for waiting has done right so mm-hmm. we're gonna make these things happen yeah. now right because this is all this is all we have and most importantly what i want uh people i want you all to to, to hear this even though you're hearing us talking about two particular groups right two intersections uh intersections we're talking about african-americans talking about muslims um we're talking most important we're talking about human beings yes and Oppression for for one group, uh, or dysfunction in one group is really dysfunction everywhere, right? Because if it's allowed to exist, it's normalized. That means there's something wrong with everybody that's walking past. I was um, I was listening to no, I was it was a uh, some social media post it says the oppressor, the oppressed, the only thing that hurts more than the oppression of the oppressor is the silence of the bystander. Mm. Right. The silence of the bystander. So 2020, we're done with bystanders. Right. Good. Let's be done. 2020. 2020. We're done with bystanders. No more bystanders in 2020. No more bystanders. So in 2020, Muslim men. Yeah. Okay. No more bystanders when it comes to sacred spaces. Absolutely. Okay. See, all right. You, you kick something off. You know, we don't have time to go into this. Ah, next one. Next one. <laughs> You know, no good more and bystanders well. in, in sacred spaces. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That 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 should be a given. Change. Yeah. So I'm tired of praying somewhere where there's mildew. <laughs> I had crazy. somebody. I had a brother ask me. He says, uh, "So you're the uh, imam of the masjid, right?" I say, "Yeah." He says, uh, "Do you all have a place for the sisters?" I say, "Yeah, the masjid." <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you talking about? I mean, do you have a room? Yeah, the masjid. Do you called, have a closet? Do you have a closet uh, for the sister? Right. And I know what we do. Some people would, would argue that, uh, contend that it is, um, that it's not their understanding of the sunnah, of, of the prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Peace, uh, peace oh, and praise be upon him. They didn't have, they didn't have doors. They didn't have, well, they had, the they, women had a separate door to enter. Yeah, but, but there, there was no barriers. barriers. There were no barriers inside. That's right. And even in Mecca and Medina, there's none. No, I think Medina does. Mecca. Yeah. There's none. How can you? Exactly. How can you? Like honestly, like how? Can Learn you? from that. <laughs> Learn yeah, from they that. Yeah, can. I mean, I, you know, for a lot of Muslim women, it's more comfortable. Okay, but at least make the space. Yeah. Conducive. Okay, because it's, it's basically segregation. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely segregation. And segregation wow. is is we we have seen it in this country. It's never been equal. We've never had separate. And segregation but equal. is never equal. Yeah. Segregation is never equal. And if we if we think about uh, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and and one of his litmus tests of manhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Come on. Is the best of you. That's right. Is he Come who's on. best to his women. And who was he? And he was the best to his women. That's right. He was the okay. best to his wives. That's right. So, I mean, that is a litmus test for manhood. So what are you doing to make sure that they're accommodated and comfortable at home and outside in the masjid and, and all these other spaces? You know? I, I want to take that example. I'm going to take it outside of the, the Islamic framework and mm-hmm. just give it to the brothers um, who want to glorify pimps, who want to glorify <sighs> uh, using women glorify this idea of stringing women along and extracting their wealth from them and not giving nothing back. Um, I want you to think about that. Think about that because what you're doing is, is antithetical to manhood in and of itself. Uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you look at, I mean, there are plenty of examples of, uh, you know, of the struggle to do just that. Yeah. To, to, to not glorify the usage of women right to see them as human beings and partners mm-hmm. in your life it becomes very very hard i mean and, and so yeah definitely in 2020 not only just like not the pimp thing yeah but also like this whole idea of you know we're just gonna be casual we're just gonna have a situation ship yeah we're just gonna like keep things casual friends with benefits and all of that stuff. Let's take some responsibility. All of those things comes with consequences. Yeah, that's right. That's all right. All of them come with consequences. I mean, committed relationship comes with consequences. Mm-hmm. But it's just like these consequences that are happening. You know, it, it affects other people. It doesn't just affect those two people. Mm-hmm. It affects other people too. Yeah. So we have to take definitely have to take responsibility across the board yeah. when it comes to that. So in 2020, let's try to look more at each other as potential. Uh, uh, people that we're going to share our lives with each That's right. other as opposed to just share a moment of gratification. Mm, yes, yes, I mean. Now, we didn't get a chance to to uh, to get into your latest... Um, uh, no, actually, you got two books uh, that are out, the novella as well as uh, Sweet Love, Bitter Fruit. So okay. we're going to close out with you plugging both of those <laughs> and let folks know where they can get them. I can't plug both of them. You got to plug them both. And next time... Next time when we talk, um, I hopefully I will have read by that time. I will have read Sweet Love, Bitter Fruit. And yeah, and we can kind of do a deep dive on that. Do, do Open to Love first. I want to do really? a deep dive on Open to Love. Yes, because that's my Muslim novella. Okay. That's my Muslim romance novella. Okay, so Open to Love is book one let, in the series Open let, to let Love. Me, let me stop you for a second. Let me ask this. I know it's the, the Muslim novella. Would non-Muslims, right? Because I know yeah. we got non-Muslim listeners as well. Uh, would they also find it? Would they find it beneficial? Would they find it engaging? Um, well, first of all, it's being published by a non-Muslim publisher. Enough okay. said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and who picked it up and, yeah. and, and enjoyed it, and I'm getting a lot of good feedback on Amazon from Muslims and non-Muslims. Muslims are connecting to the romance and, and, and the cultural representation of an American an American Muslim romance, an interracial American Muslim romance. 
and non-Muslims are learning and they're, and they're seeing the similarities when it comes to it. And, you know, I just had one review where the person was like, they didn't like the fact that they didn't know a lot of the Muslim terms. They'll learn. Okay. They'll learn. <laughs> They'll learn. But other than that, I mean, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from readers, Muslim and non-Muslim. Okay. It's a second chance at love story. And it's one in a series. So all three of them, it follows three women, they're friends. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so book one is Hafsa. And she was in a polygamous marriage. Mm. Okay. It didn't work out. We got a lot of okay. conversations. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then she got, she got, and so she put her life, pulled her life back together. And this young guy at her job named Fahim mm. steps to her. He's a, he's a cougar hunter. <laughs> well, I mean, there are different spaces in their life. She's not necessarily a cougar, uh, yeah. but they're definitely, it's a, the, the, the age expanse and the point that like he's in his mid twenties yeah. and she's in her mid thirties. Okay. But they're definitely different worlds. Okay. Yeah. So she's like, look at this young guy here. Like, yeah, he's fine and everything, but he's a baby. He don't know nothing. <laughs> yeah, he don't know nothing. He yet. don't know nothing. And so now five, he was like, I know something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a, so it's one in a series, and there's, there's two more that are coming. I'm actually working on book two. So it's really about navigating love, finding love again. Okay. Uh, having like in book two, are you brave enough to engage in a relationship or are you going to constantly avoid it? Mm. Okay. Okay. And so it's, a, there's a lot of layers to all of them, but it caters to everybody because we all go through these problems. You know, these are human stories. This, this homeboy, number one, jacked up, jacked me up. He got me all messed up. Right. Now I'm all together. No, hold up. Slow your roll. I didn't say I was ready <laughs> for anybody. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, type of thing. So what do you do? So I'm very, very proud of that book. Sweet Love, Bitter Fruit, book two in the Brothers-in-Law series. Marcus is back. Yes, okay, my man. With Tony. Mm -hmm. Okay, and their love. But there's some stuff that goes on that jeopardizes that love. You know, Marcus, who is usually in control of everything, mm -hmm. his life is spinning. <laughs> See, I can't wait to... Okay, yeah. I'm going to get this. Spinning out of control. So, um, Amazon. Folks, Amazon. Go to Amazon. Kindle Unlimited. Okay. Go to Amazon. Uh, open to they're both uh, free on Kindle Unlimited. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can fire up your Kindles. There print. There's a print version of uh, uh, Sweet Love Bitter Fruit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can check it out. And if you didn't catch, if you don't, if this is the first time reading the Brothers in Law series, you can catch up with book one. My way to you. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I appreciate the uh, the thought provoking conversation, uh, and I am. I'm looking forward to our, our next conversation because we, as always, we left a lot on the table. So we did. We, did. we have to do it more often. That's all that means. Yeah, yeah. We might you have know, to go. Once a month is not yeah, we might have to go. You know, twice a month. You know. Exactly. Yeah. All right, family. I'm your host and producer Tariq Alami. Remember to keep up with us on social media, BTG with T I E. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, if you have any comments or questions, you can send me an email at BTG with TIE at WeBridgeTheGap.org. That's BTG with TIE at WeBridgeTheGap.org. All right, family, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.